welcome to episode 39 of Super States, Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. Super States explores the crossroad of trance states with personal or professional development. And in every episode, we talk to world-class experts, industry leaders, revolutionary thinkers, people who share with us the latest information and tools along with their personal stories that inspire us on our journey. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast host, or you can subscribe on YouTube. That way you can stay up to date with new episodes. And if you enjoy this show, please give me a five-star review. That's the best way to help the show grow, and I would really appreciate it. This week, I have a very special guest, Hava Kurland. Hava is a filmmaker, an artist, a yoga teacher, and my amazing life partner. Hava is my co-host on the show today as we share the different tools and rituals that we've used to transform our marriage into one of deep connection and support. So go grab your partner, sit back and tune into the art of connection, practical tools for transforming your relationship with Hava Curlin. Welcome to Super States. I am here with a very special guest today. I'd like to introduce you to a special person in my life, Hava Curlin. Welcome to the show, Hava. Thanks, Joshua. It's glad to be here from all the way across the other side of the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, obviously, this is a little different show than normal because Hava is here with me in the studio today, which is the in my home office. And Hava and I are intimately connected because she is my life partner and my wife and my best friend. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are talking about transforming your relationship and conversation. Uh, Hava, why don't you share with us how we met? Oh, I love this story. Um, I like to tell people that we met uh, love at first gaze, not love at first sight. So um, back in 20, we had met briefly in 2012, um, but in 2013, uh, we both attended an event, which we now go to regularly, um, called uh, Sacred Fire Circle, which is a alchemical magic and trance event. Like it really was my first primer in how to move into trance. Um, I had been a few years before you had gone to this event. Um, and I remember being interested in like, he's got a cool energy. He's interesting. But um I also remembered uh, at the time I was 24 and you were 42. And so <laughs> there was a little bit of a hesitancy of like, oh, would he be interested? I don't know. That's sort of wiffle waffling. And then uh, during the ceremony, um, there's a moment in this ceremony where uh, there's two fires. There's a big central alchemical fire and then there's a smaller fire where um, the, it's called Mama Root, and oftentimes people sit there to meditate or have some tea or whatever, and it was, you know, late into the night, and I felt this urge to go over and see if the tea was ready. 
And I remember I sat down, I had my cup of tea, and I look up, and right across my the fire is you. That's right. And we locked eyes, and we we didn't say anything, but we both made this conscious choice to put our cups down, and we just were there, looking at each other, and all the time in the world and no time at all went by. It was like I was seeing into the essence of you like we were seeing each other spirit to spirit and I, I couldn't tell you how much time passed it felt like maybe like 30 minutes or something with the number of songs that people had sung but uh that that was just so powerful um it felt like lifetimes lifetimes exactly we, we traveled and journeyed through lifetimes and uh so we, I gave you a hug afterwards and we didn't really say much in the ceremony itself. We just sort of kept doing what we were there to do. And, um, the next day we were sitting before lunch and you, uh, I asked you, how was this, the, how was last night for you? And, uh, he turns to me and he says, you know, I don't really know you. I know your name but I don't know anything about you. But all I do know is that I love you. And I said, same. And so we started off with saying, I love you before we did <laughs> anything else. <laughs> and we've been together since. It's been beautiful. And what I, what I love about that experience is the power of eye gazing. Mm. And this is one of those, one of those techniques, you could call it, I guess, that can really make a huge impact in a partnership. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That wanting to see and be seen and feeling safe to be seen and held in that way is really powerful. And I think that's and many, many other things. But I think having our relationships start with that experience of really seeing the essence of ourselves rather than, oh, I do this for a living and you know, like the 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 mundane kind of the important things for life, but not the the essence of who we are on the inside. So yeah, yeah. that's the thin the main core bond I think that has stuck with us. Yeah, for sure. The, and so the point of this episode is to give you some of these different types of uh, technologies or tools that you can use in your own relationship. So this is one that you can use with, uh, with a partner or really with anyone. It's a, a great way to just feel connected with someone. Mm -hmm. Doing eyes gazing. Doing eye gazing, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grab my tea. <laughs> Speaking of tea, we are drinking out of our special cups. Uh, if you're watching this on video, you can see them. But if you're, if you're listening, we have kind of matching cups. Um, one is got little gold crown on it and one has a silver crown on it. For the moon and stars. <laughs> and I, I had these cups custom made by a friend, uh, Jen Darner. So Jen, thank you for making these for us. And we use these every week 
use it in, when we do another one of our relationship tools. Uh, would, you, would you like to share the marriage meeting tool, Pavel? Absolutely. Um, do we want to kind of give an overview of the things we're going to go through? Let's go ahead and yeah. do that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I came on today because I really wanted to um, talk about these pretty amazing tools that we've created. I mean, you and I have been together for over 10 years now, which is crazy to think about. Um, but throughout that, we've had really great times. We'd also have really challenging times, times we felt aligned and times that we didn't. Um, and, you know, some of the things that we have implemented into our life, you've talked with others about on this podcast already. Um, but I feel like there's kind of three pieces that are the regular touch point rituals that we do to stay connected on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and then around the year. So I'm excited to connect on those three ways. So we're going to talk about three different ways to connect with your partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can start with the marriage meeting. Let's sure. start with the marriage meeting. So that's the weekly connection point. And this is a we didn't actually create this. This is just something that we picked up uh, from a book called, I believe, The Marriage Meeting. And uh, if you're in, I'll put a link in it because it's a really great book and it has a lot of uh, great ideas on how to implement a marriage meeting. But a marriage meeting is really pretty simple. It's made up of uh, four pieces. The first one is speaking to each other, telling, sharing what we are how do we put it? The things that we, we appreciate. appreciate about each other. Mm -hmm. And when you do this, so when you're doing all four of these different elements, we take turns speaking. And when the first person is speaking, the other person simply listens. They don't defend themselves or, or put themselves down or say, oh, that's, that was okay. Like you just listen, you take it in, you appreciate, you let the appreciation come. So we share everything that we appreciated about each other, one at a time. Specifically, we appreciate what the other person did in the previous week. And it's things that um, the person did, not what you felt. So a good example of that would be like, um, like I guess the wrong way to do it would be, I really appreciate um, how loved you make me feel. Right. Instead, you should say, I really appreciated when you served me soup when I was sick the other week because that made me feel good and made me feel loved. Right. So it's it's appreciating for specific things. People like to know that the things that they do make a difference, and this is a great way to get that really clear. So one person shares everything that they appreciate about the other, and then at the end, once you've given your entire list of appreciation, you then ask the other person, is there anything that I've missed? And that gives them the opportunity to share with you some things that maybe, maybe you didn't even know about that they, uh, that they did for you or for the household over the past week. Yeah. And the really nice thing about this is it's a way to recognize and really see the um, invisible labor your partner might be doing. 
Um, I know there's a lot of discussion out there, especially for women about like the mental load or that invisible load of caring for the house, but it goes both ways. Like, I think there's so many times where you might be unaware of some of the housework I've done and I might be unaware of all of the like maintenance phone calls and handymen and things that you've been doing. Um, And so it's just a good way to remember, oh yeah, we are both kind of working towards this life or both putting energy into the household. Right. So that's, that's the first step, the appreciation. Mm -hmm. When we do this every Sunday morning is our marriage meeting and we have coffee in bed using our special cups and, and have our, our marriage meeting starting with appreciation. You want to share the second piece? The second piece isn't terribly exciting. It's chores. And so it's not meant to be super laborious. You don't want to, um, list every single thing you need to do for the year it's okay what is priority this week or sometimes that day a lot of times sundays are our day at the house where we are resetting for the coming week it's like okay yeah we need to do the grocery shopping yeah we need to you know fix this thing or oh remember we have this coming up later so we need to do this and it's a it's a way if you do it regularly each week um it makes it so you're really on the same page with each other's calendar and you know how you're working together in shared space. Um, I really think about those times when maybe you have a million clients and you're not really going to be around much. That's really good info for me. It's like, okay, Josh is going to be light on chores this week because we know he's not going to be around. And there's sometimes, um, when the same thing is for me, I mean, I, I work in my life as a creative, I work in a theater and in film. And so if I'm on film set for, you know, three weeks in a row for 12 hour days, that's going to be a very different way that chores and kind of tasks show up than when I'm off. So, so that's step two chores. Mm -hmm. That one for us, it tends to be collaborative and not necessarily each of us stating what's important about a particular chore. Step three then is good times. And for us, we have a commitment to having a date night every single week. Date night doesn't necessarily mean we're going out to dinner or going out dancing or to a movie, although it can mean any of those things and many different others. We certainly like doing those things. Sometimes it means we stay at home and we play cards, which we tend to do a lot. lot. Yeah. Um, We love playing games, board games, all kinds of things. Some weeks, if our evenings are particularly busy, we've even had date breakfast or, um, you know, we are going to have a really long quality hike. I remember during the um, pandemic, we had a... Uh, a morning outdoor hike where we would go to a local park here in the Twin Cities and find, um, you know, some nature to be in away from people. So, yeah. So date night or good times, uh, I would suggest this is a no, uh, what do you call that? Uh, A requirement. Yeah, requirement. It's a no-brainer. A a no-brainer. Definitely make time to have a date night with your partner. If you're not doing that, that's something that's vital. Yes. It's that quality time aspect that you really need to put in and just make sure that you're still moving on the same path. 
And then the last category um, that's officially within the, uh, the um, marriage meeting structure is uh, challenges. Um, and challenges could be a number of things. You want to start off with challenges that you might have with each other that did not get resolved in the week. And I really like that there is always this opportunity to talk about these things. Cause a lot of times if you have a disagreement or a conflict, you're not in the right headspace to talk about it in the moment. I know that's something that I struggle with cause I always want to resolve things right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's good to sit on it and good to um, take a moment just to, when you're at an agreed set time, set schedule, sit and talk about the thing. And the important thing when you are in the challenges section, if you do have a challenge regarding your partnership that you want to talk about, always using those elements of nonviolent communication. So again, active listening, um, making sure that you're mirroring back feelings and emotions to your partner so that they feel understood and seen. And just like with all the other ones, you take turns talking about challenges. So if it's my turn to start, I will express everything I need to express about my challenge until Josh speaks or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so that helps just to really let it sink in and so that you don't feel like you're interrupting or nobody's trying to project on the other person and you're not reinstigating the, um, the altercation if it was something that resulted from a fight. Sometimes though, challenges are just things that were hard about the week that you want to share with your partner. I mean, I feel like we're in such a good place right now that so often I'm like, you know, I don't have any challenges with you, but man, I really had this hard time at work with this one thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to be there and hold space for that challenge. The only other thing I'll put out there is when, when you're uh, expressing your challenge and it is about the other person, it's important to own your own feelings and, mm-hmm. and to frame it in a way that's more like, when this thing happened, I felt like this. And, yes. and what I need is this instead, which is, you know, essentially nonviolent communication standard. But instead of, uh, instead of using more, what can feel like attack language, which is you did this thing and I felt like this. So there's just some simple ways that you can use to help own your part of this, because this is really about how you felt in in a situation, not necessarily what is being done to you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. And for those who might be unfamiliar with like the official structure for nonviolent communication, you basically say, when XYZ happened, I felt blank because it got in the way or or I needed instead this, do you think next time you could do this? That's kind of the framework of what. And I'll put a link to the the book and the website in the show notes for this one as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good little cheat sheet. (laughs) 
And then we usually end that with, you know, moment of connection and a kiss. We've got a, a secret signal, we say, <laughs> to end the meeting with. Um, and you can add more categories, like uh, you can add, um, if you have kids, you could always do a family meeting. If there's something else you want to end with, you could always end with that. Um, we've come to really look forward to it every week, or at least I know I do. Like, it's yeah. one of my favorite times of the week, just sitting in bed on Sunday morning, drinking our coffee and having this connection. It's like our version of uh, going to church. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, well, and one of the ways that we often will end it, I think is something else that you wanted to talk about as well, which is the uh, a moment of connection. Mm. Often we'll sit and do some eye gazing or we might reciprocally breathe with each other, like energetically. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, something that you wanted to talk about? Absolutely, yeah. Why don't you talk about it? I know that, I don't know if you've mentioned um, uh, tantric breath or cyclical breathing on the podcast yet. We, we have, there has been a couple of guests who have talked about it, but I'll bring it up again because it's a really powerful and simple way to find connection with a partner. And it can be done in a couple of different ways. Simplest way would be sitting cross-legged facing each other, eye gazing, and uh, while well, one partner breathes in, the other partner breathes out. So you're breathing kind of in and out. Not necessarily each other's breaths, but energetically you're doing that. Mm -hmm. This, as now as you do this, there's other things you can do. You can you can imagine energy flowing between the two of you in a in a cycle from the top of coming in through the top of one person's head down back out through your genitals and then back up again and just cycling. Uh, again, you can just kind of be breathing back and forth. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite way? My favorite way. <laughs> um, so energetically breathing. <laughs> I mean, I love it when we're intimate and we do that breath work. Um, I think that one thing that can be really nice, especially if you're um, doing this in a non-sexual context, is to have hands. So one is the giving hand and one's the receiving. And so... Describe it for people that aren't watching. So I have... Um, Josh and I have our hands out right now. I have um, actually both of your hands should be underneath. He's got his hands underneath mine, palms facing each other. Um, so my palms are on top of his palms. Um, in this situation, he would be receiving. So every time I exhale, he's receiving energy through his palms and then he'll cycle it out of the top of his head. And then towards, he'll exhale towards my head and then I will again, send the energy down my arms. It's the same thing, except um, rather than going through the groin, you're going through the hands. Yeah. And, you, and you can choose who's, you know, the giver or the receiver in terms of that energy breath work, who's starting the inhale or the exhale. I mean, with you, I like sitting on your lap and doing this, you know, whether we're, again, in bed together or just if I'm having a rough day and I need to connect with you, just sitting in a chair with you for you know, two minutes, it really grounds and connects us, especially if we haven't seen each other for a while. I feel like those moments of meaningful connection rather than just sort of existing in space together are so important. And I think that a lot of times we get robbed of those in our modern society. 
in some ways I think of slowing down. It's really about becoming present. It's in, in many ways a meditation and the meditation is about finding your breath and just getting in the moment. So this is doing that with your partner and it doesn't have to be for a long time. In fact, most of the time we do that for a couple of minutes and we're typically done. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, um, a great way also, well, okay, <laughs> let me rephrase it. There's many things that it does. I know that we started really doing it together because, um, we, at the time we were having some troubles with our sex life and in particular me feeling safe in being intimate period, being able to let go of control and being able to feel free in my body and to trust you. Not that I didn't trust you, mm -hmm. but I think that's a common thing for, I mean, especially for a lot of women is that we don't fully trust that our partner is going to give us pleasure or is going to hold our pleasure as sacred or is going to care for us after the experience is over. But okay. Might be like, okay, we're done. Bye. You know, <laughs> I think that, uh, and then there's also the pressure of like wanting to do things right, making sure that your needs are being met. And for a while we were just both so in our head. And I was all of those same things were going through my head too. Exactly. So, so both of us were, just in our head and not in our bodies enjoying being intimate with each other. And it was causing a lot of, a lot of strife in our relationship in lots of different ways. Yeah. It, it carried over into everything into like emotional tension in just trust in general in our relationship. Like remember the fights we used to have over the correct way to load the dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> and things are like, Oh, we can't accept that there are two valid ways to do things. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I think that when we started doing this breath work, it was about us connecting physically and energetically in a way that did not have the expectation of it leading to sex, of there not being the pressure of this has to be a sexual experience or this has to um, lead to something. The other thing that's interesting is since we started doing this, I mean, you and I both read so many self-help books. We just love reading about self-help and spirituality and how to optimize the human experience in many, many different ways. Um, and I'm reading the Nagoski um, burnout book. They talk about um, how just holding a person as a hug is a way to relieve stress. Mm -hmm. Just breathing with a person is a huge way to self-regulate and prevent burnout. Mm -hmm. And I think about how much more emotionally level and stable and content we are when we make time for those meaningful physical contacts. Yeah. I mean, isn't this something like in children, they need to be, you know, touched with love, you know, eight times a day or something like that, or eight hugs a day, I think mm -hmm. people talk about. But if you sit with somebody, um, you know, physically connecting for more than 30 seconds, you're getting those benefits of relieving your nervous system. Right. You get endorphins and different chemicals to flow through you in ways that helps you feel good. Yeah. And making all those great bonds that you want to make with your intimate partner. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I, I laugh because the whole time we've been sitting here, our knees are touching. Yeah. So even, even in little <laughs> moments like this, we're, we're doing that. We'll, and we'll often sit, even if we're sitting on the couch, our feet will be touching or their the part of us will be in connection with the other person. Yeah. Or as we're falling asleep, we're, we're not, we don't necessarily fall asleep cuddling, but our feet always touch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I mean, that's a daily thing you could do or a thing you could do once in a while is doing that, you know, seated breath work. Um, I think we should also talk about what we do at dinner. Yeah, I think so. Why don't you share that one? So this kind of, uh, it came out of, it partially came out of the marriage meeting as a variation of that, but really it came out of the fact that I was sick of hearing the question, how is your day? Because this is what happens. If you sit at the dinner table and you're lucky enough to have undivided time with your partner or your family and nobody's looking at their phone and they're all there and they're all about to eat, this is what happens. How was your day? Fine. How was your day? Fine. Crickets. And that's, that's what happens. It's like complete end of interaction. And then you eat as fast as you can and you go off and do your own own thing. So, um... Again, I don't remember we started incorporating this, but we started, instead of asking, how is your day? We were going to ask three questions or, you know, three ways of talking that would help engage our conversation in a way where we still, you know, got the answer to the question, how was our day? But it was more than that. It opened the room for more discussion. The deeper mm -hmm. answer. And part of what inspired me when we created this is it made me think of, um, Back when I was in college, I went to the National Theater Institute and there was a, a set designer there named Skip Mercier, who unfortunately has passed on. He was a wonderful teacher and he would start off every single class with us asking questions that triggered our creative brains. So they, he would ask, you know, what was the truest thing you saw today? What was the darkest, the lightest? What was the reddest thing you saw today? And so it, all week it would like turn on our awareness of vi visually seeing the world around us and thinking emotionally about the world rather than just, you know, the schedule we were keeping. But anyway, the three questions that we ask each other at dinner um, are very simple. The first one is what inspired you today? And that could be anything. That could be something you did. It could be something you experienced. I mean, sometimes the things that have inspired me have been seeing the sunrise. Sometimes it's, you know, checking off something on my to-do list, a really big project, or sometimes you have a breakthrough with a client. So or an idea. An idea. It, it can be as little or as big as you want it to be. It's whatever little nugget of inspiration that you have. Yeah, and and again, we it's we do a similar way as uh, as a marriage meeting, but instead of uh, what's that book or what's that game uh, Vertelis? Mm. So there's a, a game that we got that is about asking questions and getting deeper answers. And Vertelis is is that Swedish? It's uh, I can't remember what language it is, but Vertelis itself is a word that means "tell me more." And so that's the idea when you're when you start to share. What was your inspiration? Oh, tell me more about that. 
know, mm-hmm. we, we want to dig into this. This is about a conversation, not just getting out the answer as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you can do this with everyone at the table. I mean, we've had uh, your daughter chime in and other people do it with us, which has been really fun. In, in fact, my daughter, who is not a little girl, she's 23. Mm-hmm. But, and she doesn't eat with us very much anymore. But when she did eat with us all the time, we always would include her in this. And now when she does, she's the first one to share what her inspiration was in mm-hmm. the day. So it yeah. really made an impact with her as well. Yeah, it sure did. Um, the second piece, or the second question, is a challenge. Uh, and we prefer to use the word challenge as opposed to problem because I think that we, I mean, in my personal opinion, I think people complain a lot about things that sometimes are within their control and sometimes are without their control. But regardless of what you're um, frustrated with it or grappling with, it's just a challenge to work with, work around, work towards. So uh, that could be, again, as little or as big as it wants to be. A lot of times for me, um, because I do keep such a weird schedule, a lot of times a challenge would be, did I get enough sleep? Am I physically healthy? Maybe a challenge is something interpersonal with somebody else. You know, oh, this coworker did this one thing, or gosh, I just really can't figure out what's happening with this project. You know, it could be in, in any number of things. And again, tell me more. Mm-hmm. This isn't about fixing their problem or solving their challenge. It's just about being there and, and hearing what other, what everyone, what, how everyone's day went, mm-hmm. ultimately. And then the last piece, I mean, there's so much research about how important this is, but ending with gratitude. And I mean, there's definitely been times where it's been really hard for me to find something that I've been grateful for. Um, but it, having that moment of gratitude, even if it's, I'm grateful that I get to sit here with you right now. I'm grateful that you brought home this food or that you cooked this food. I'm grateful, you know, for love and health. It could be anything, just any one little thing you're grateful for. So to recap those three things, what is your inspiration? What was your challenge? And what are you grateful for? This makes a really good icebreaker, too, if you have a group setting. Um, you want to limit it to one sentence, so it's more kind of just to, like, get to know you. But it, I think it really encourages people to go a little deeper and be a little bit more reflective rather than masking it with, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Is that all of the tools that we're going to be bringing forward? Um. The last one, I guess we don't talk about a ton, but I was going to say it's our quarterly meeting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is something we have been doing, I don't know, four years or so? Yeah, four or five something years. Something like that? Maybe five years. And we don't always get this in every quarter, but what we attempt to do is to have a, uh, call it a retreat. Uh, either we go to, my family has a cabin, so maybe a lot of times we'll go spend a weekend at the cabin. Uh, there are some Airbnbs that we really love to go 
that are kind of off in the wilderness that we go to sometimes. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that. It can also be done at home. It doesn't even really matter. The point is to take time every quarter to just connect. And one of the things that we typically do is we will set goals for ourselves, but also for our partnership. And, and those will kind of be like yearly goals that we that we set together, and then we check in on them throughout the throughout the quarters. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece of it, um, it's both like an extended marriage meeting, but I think of it also as an extended date night mm-hmm. because um, I think that it can be really challenging just to have time to be present with your partner when you're dealing with the modern, fast-paced lifestyle that we're in. And especially if you're somebody who has, you know, multiple kids or more than a multi-family household, things get busy very, very quickly and it's hard to have private time with that person. Um, And so being able to prioritize setting aside a whole day. It's great if you can do a weekend, but like a whole day where you don't have to be responsible for anybody else. Maybe you can ask somebody to watch the kids. You don't have to um, maybe hold into a um, job that day or whatever. It's one day where you can just be connected with your partner. And maybe you talk about goals and things, or maybe you just lie in bed and eat crackers or, you know, watch your favorite show together. Or um, it's funny, we talk about our favorite pastime is just bantering. (laughs) (laughs) We just tell each other stories and are weird and (laughs) laugh laugh back and forth at jokes, look up odd, obscure facts on the internet, you know, whatever it is that you do together. (laughs) Prove each other wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I... Just like a creative brain needs space and time to kind of be in flow and not have this particular task to beyond in order to be optimal in order to get into flow, I think the same thing happens in a relationship. You need unstructured time to just be in flow together. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. So there's, we have basically something for a daily use, that's the... The dinner questions that, or the meditation, the eye or the eye gazing meditation. Then there's the weekly marriage meeting with the four questions, and then the quarterly extended marriage meeting slash date night. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I just um, I guess what I want to express out there is you and I have had so many good conversations together. Um, but I think we also in watching, you know, some of our friendships and other people we've seen in relation sometimes go through some really challenging and sad things. I think that it's easy to get trapped in thinking false things about your partner. And what I mean by that is, Oh my gosh, I can't share these things with them because they'll judge me for this or, Oh, so-and-so would never get on board with doing these things. You know, making these preemptive judgments around trying something before offering it out there and giving the benefit of the doubt. And I just want to circle back to the section um, when we're talking about 
you know, some of the intimacy issues we had, I know for me, that was me. I didn't want to burden you with some of my worries. I didn't want, I was supposed to be in control of everything. And I was supposed to, you know, um, not need to rely on anybody else, you know, hyper independent, <laughs> hyper aware all the time. Um, but in, by having these structured bits where not only you get to connect, but you get to build in vulnerability to your relationship over time that has made us able to share things in just a really deep way and, and share really dark things about our inner life that I never thought I would share another per with another person. And I'm sure the same is for you. Um, and in the end really bonded us. Like, I think that I, I, I hear, and we hear it in the media so often that, uh, Oh, people, men are not interested in their feelings or women are not interested in it said it said there's all these kind of gender roles that are put out there or relationship roles or really unhealthy relationship modeling you see right. out in the media um and really it's about just getting down to trust getting down to how do we create these habits these little mini rituals to keep us engaged to keep us trusting and uh to transform ourselves. I love that. And I don't know if I have any more to add uh, that would not take away from that, what you just said. I'll, I will just say being vulnerable and putting out there these different ideas and for my own self has been that piece that allowed me to trust really myself in many ways as well. And as we both built this trust both together and separately, my belief is that is what has allowed our relationship to blossom. Mm -hmm. What's the last thing that, what do you want the listeners to leave with here? Um, I want the listeners to leave with knowing that no matter who they're interacting with, whether they're single or in partnership, whether they're thinking about these tools for a romantic partner or friendship or with um, a child, that remember in the back of it, it's all about us connecting to that little inner spark. It's about us connecting to that little fragment of you know, humanity, divinity, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that exists in all of us and uh, remembering that we are connected. Hava, when you're not being asked and interviewed about relationships, what do you do? Uh, great question. Um, so I work in the performance sphere. So I've worked for many years as a theater director. I'm now transitioned into a filmmaker um, here in the Twin Cities. And I'm a maker of many things. I love uh, doing artwork, mask work, mask and puppetry performance. Um, and I have a special interest in anything that brings us into a collective group ritual environment. I always have appreciated 
your creativity. Like that is, you are so good at bringing out ideas and, and making a narrative from them. Thank you. <laughs> Hava, if people want to uh, learn more about you, be in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I'm on Facebook and on Instagram at Hava Curland. That's spelled C-H-A-V as in Victor, A. And then Curland is very uh, fancy username. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you want to uh, reach out to me via email, you can do the same thing, Curland at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, feel free to stay in touch and check out all my fun pictures of our dog. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will make sure to put those links in the podcast. Thanks, Joshua. Nice and easy.